for leading us in some beautiful worship this morning. Uh, This week I was reading um, a story about a gentleman who uh, went on vacation to the Holy Land in in Israel, and he took his family, and he took his his wife, his kids, even took his in-laws, and uh, very sadly, while they were there on vacation, uh, his mother-in-law got sick and passed away. Uh, And so the son-in-law had to find a a funeral home in the area uh, and and asked what they could do for the mother-in-law. And while, uh, while he went to the uh, funeral home, the funeral director told him, well, for $5,000, uh, we can uh, prepare your mother-in-law's body and we can ship her back to the USA so you can have her burial there. Or, he said, for $500, we can have a burial here for her. Well, the, the son-in-law said, well, well, we'll pay the extra expense, we'll pay the $5,000 and we'll ship her body back home. And the funeral director replied, he said, are you sure? I mean, we can do a really, really nice funeral for your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land for just $500. Well, at that point, the son-in-law, he takes this funeral director by the collar, and he says, listen, 2,000 years ago, you guys buried a guy, and three days he rose from the grave. I can't afford for that to happen with my mother-in-law. <laughs> well, hey, I want to welcome you all here this morning. Uh, if your mother-in-law is here with you, lean over, give her a hug, tell her you love her and how much you appreciate her. Um, this, this month we've been studying uh, about the miracles of Jesus. Uh, our sermon series is called Jesus Redeemer. Uh, and what we found out in going through that series is that uh, Jesus didn't perform miracles uh, just because he could. Or just because he could perform something extraordinary uh, and heal somebody or, or, or do something physically for somebody. The miracles that Jesus did in his ministry were to proclaim the power and the glory of his Father. And and the glory of Jesus coming to save the world from our sins. So today we're going to be in Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at another miracle, but it's not just about the physical. Yes, Jesus changed many lives and Jesus continues to change lives today in miracles uh, that sometimes we miss physically. We miss seeing those things. But Jesus continues to do that. But today we're going to find out that Jesus was showing the people, the Gentile people, specifically something more than just the physical healing. We're going to be in Mark 7, uh, verses 31 through 37. We'll have all of our uh, biblical texts up here on the screen. Uh, also, we got our sermon outline in the bulletin uh, if you're new. So you can follow along with that there, um, and we'll have the text on the screen. But let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get uh, to the Word. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I've just been, I've been so blessed this morning. I know uh, this congregation has, too, from our worship and uh, from, from words spoken uh, and, and words sung from hearts that love you. And God, we thank you, thank you for this week leading up to Easter that you remind us of the price that, you, that your son paid, but that it didn't end at the cross. God, that... That your son is the resurrection and the life. And that life that we have is a life that we're given to live out in joy and to live to the fullest. So God, we ask that you remind us of that. God, we ask that this morning, uh, as, as I share what you've put on my heart this week, uh, that you'd give me your words to speak. Uh, that it wouldn't be anything that I've come up with. But that you would lead us and your spirit would be with us and that you would show us how to be disciples this week. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. 
All right, so we got Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. I'm going to start out in verse 31. That'll be up on the screen for you. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside... Away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit, and he touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh, said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So this is, as, as we see with all the miracle stories, uh, a, a beautiful account of the difference that Jesus makes in someone's life. But let's get a little bit of background on this text so we can understand where Jesus is, who he's talking to, uh, and the people that are around him. So Jesus has traveled um, from Tyra to the region of Decapolis, and that was uh, estimated to be anywhere between 60 and 90 miles. And actually, Jesus, uh, Jesus took a, uh, a roundabout way to get there so he wouldn't pass through Galilee so, because the crowds wanted to make him king there. So Jesus took a roundabout way to get to Decapolis. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has been to Decapolis. In Mark 5, Jesus has healed a man possessed of demons. I'm sure you have all have remembered that miracle account. He cast the demons out into the pigs. The swine ran uh, into the water. And in, this, in that account, Jesus actually told the man, the man possessed with demons that he healed, that he cast out, he actually said, go and tell everyone about me. And we'll see here in this text that that man has done that here in Decapolis. So Jesus, he had a long route to get to Decapolis, at least 60 to 80 miles. And this route wasn't a highway route, right? They either did it by foot or by camel. And I mean, camel was the upgrade. That was like their Uber driver back in the day, all right? So Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling to Decapolis. They're going through hills. They're going through uh, uh, mountain, mountain ranges, valleys, difficult terrains. And the thing that I love about Jesus' travels and his ministry is not that just that he went to all these different places to, to proclaim his father, to proclaim the new covenant. It's that these routes that Jesus took, took time. And who did Jesus spend that time with? He spent that time with his disciples. He invested into his disciples. That's what discipleship looks like, spending time with people. That's what Jesus did. This, this route could have taken a week, could have taken two weeks, maybe longer. But Jesus took time to teach his disciples so that they would have the keys to lead the church. So Jesus, he invested so much time in his disciples on his route to Decapolis. Let's pick back up in verse 32. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and, could, and who could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. 
Though we see this in many miracle accounts, we see someone being brought to Jesus. You know, the man being uh, lowered down through the roof. Uh, Somebody with an infirmity being brought to Jesus in a crowd. The same thing here with the deaf man. But let's talk a little bit about this man. Let's talk a little bit about this man. Um, If you know somebody that uh, is either deaf or has uh, very little hearing or has a speech impediment, just raise your hand for me, would you? I think a lot of us know somebody that has that type of impairment. Now, is that something difficult to deal with? Well, of course. This man was fully deaf. So that means he could not hear anything. He didn't, he didn't know what these people were doing when they brought him to Jesus because he couldn't hear it. Now, he could see, and he could see things, and maybe uh, in, in that time they had their own type of sign language or, or writing things out, but, but there's no doubt that this man really struggled to, uh, to understand what other people did, and, and he couldn't communicate it, right? It says that he could hardly speak, so, so it, he wasn't fully mute, but, but we know if someone is deaf, they have a very hard time actually speaking audibly and speaking well, so he, he, he spoke without being able to be understood. Now, that's the physical, all right? Your, your hearing, your voice. But how do you think that man felt inside? He grew up his whole life. He was probably very lonely. He was an outcast. He was uh, looked down upon. Probably treated very, poor, very poorly. Uh, he probably resented in some ways his life. He wasn't satisfied. Now, I mention those things because loneliness... Sadness, isolation, being treated poorly, those are all things that uh, many of us have been, uh, dealt with at some point in our life. Maybe we've dealt with right now. That's why we emphasize here so much about community, so much about being part of a group and being part of a body that's, that's going the same direction in our mission. But, but these were very real things that this man dealt with, even outside of the physical, even outside of his hearing and in his speech, he still had emotions, but he couldn't, he couldn't tell people about how he felt. And, 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 and he was treated, I'm sure, very poorly. But I want you to think about that man. I want you to think about that man for a minute. Because I'm sure he went through much frustration. I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure that he was very lonely. But in that same state, we can deal with those things too. Or I'm sure we know many people in our our workplaces, our schools, that deal with that, those same emotions, and that need Jesus. So we know a little bit about the deaf man. So let's keep reading, uh, picking back up in verse 33. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Now, there's no doubt, um, uh, you know, whenever there's a miracle, wherever Jesus is, there's a crowd, right? There's, There's a crowd, hundreds, probably thousands and thousands of people. So there's a crowd, and these, 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 these friends of this man, or maybe just someone who knew, man, he, he, 
he needs a miracle. Well, it's going to take him to Jesus. They, they're there, and there's crowds everywhere. And imagine being the deaf man. It's, it's, it's just, there's so much commotion. Now, he can't hear. He can't speak. He can't communicate. He's just there in the moment. And what does Jesus do in that moment? He, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't do something real flashy. He doesn't try to, uh, you know, proclaim himself as being so powerful and mighty as the Son of God. I kind of picture Jesus taking this man by the hand or taking him by the shoulder, knowing where he is, and he takes him aside. It says he took him aside away from the crowd. So why would Jesus do that? I mean, his, his disciples had, at many times had saw Jesus heal somebody right in front of them. And the, the, uh, the awe and the amazement, I'm sure, was just incredible and changed so many lives. But in this instance, in this story of the deaf, mute man, Jesus, Jesus is going to do something a little differently. So he says he took him, took him aside, he took him away from the crowds. I love the perspective uh, that uh, this commentator gives. His name is Reverend Takayo Kaiohira of Japan. Uh, and we'll have that up on the screen for you. I'm going to read what uh, Mr. Uh, Reverend Kaiohira says. He says, his first, Jesus' first purpose is clear. It was to hide the act of healing from the eyes of the other people. It is clear that Jesus did not want this man to be known as just a person who thought, who sought for healing and was granted it. Jesus didn't want this man to witness before the great crowd that I was healed this way. He didn't want the people to spread the healing miracle. Instead, he forbade the people to speak of it, saying, don't tell anyone about this. The reason he took the man aside was to not only hide it from the people's eyes, and don't miss this, don't miss this. But also to, keep, also to meet this man face to face in a personal way. Jesus wanted to meet him as a person alone and not just as part of the crowd. Now, we, we've talked about the deaf, mute man. We've talked about his, his life and probably the things that he felt, the loneliness, the isolation, uh, the, the, the sadness. And... Jesus takes this moment and, 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 and he takes this moment and he makes it so personal. Can, can you see that? Can you picture that? Jesus taking this man aside away from all the crowds, which I'm sure was no easy task because they followed him everywhere. He takes this man aside and he makes it personal to meet him face to face. And in the same way that Jesus is doing that, he's taking this man aside He's making it personally, saying, hey, I care about you, and I want to show you how good I am and how much I love you. Not so all these people can see. Not so uh, uh, they'll, they'll want to take me as king and, and, and praise me in public. Jesus said, this, this is about you. This is a lesson. And this is about us, too. Right? Because, uh, you know, when Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of all the world, but he died for you and for me. And if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and understand that Jesus wants to know us deeply and passionately and, and have a relationship where we can talk to him at any time, where we can seek him at any time, where we don't feel, uh, well, 
maybe when we do feel lonely or we do feel isolated or we do feel angry at a coworker or a family member or we're just having a really hard week, Jesus says, hey, remember, I'm your Savior. I'm your personal Savior and Lord. We, we talk about that when we take uh, someone's confession. Said I t- we, we have them repeat, I take him as my personal Savior. So that's what Jesus is doing with this man. He's saying, hey, I want to make this so personal. And I believe, I believe it, that that's what Jesus is saying to every one of you and to me today. He's saying, I want to be so personal with you that, that you can't get enough of me. That, that every thought, that everything you do is, is captive to my love and to, to who I've created you to be. And I understand it's so easy uh, to miss that. It's so easy to be distracted by that. I mean, many times this week as I'm here at the church working and preparing my sermon, doing other things, I'm distracted. And my mind is wandering. And it, it, it took me many times just to actually come in here and look up at this cross behind the screen and just and, and remember, man, you died for me. And I'm supposed to live for you every day. So I love, I love this story that Jesus makes this so personal. And, and that's who he is as our redeemer. He's a personal redeemer. Our, our, our title today, not that titles really matter, but the title of my sermon is Jesus the Joy Giver. And, and, and the reason that I, I, I prayed on, I thought about this sermon as, as around the, the, the focus of joy is because Jesus made this encounter with this man so personal and so, so real and, and so just man, so intentional. And Jesus reminded me of that this week. He reminded me that when, when I seek him, that he's always waiting. And that that is what brings me joy. Not, not, a, not a happiness or a good feeling for a couple of hours, but a joy that is steadfast. So Jesus, he's our joy giver. And that's what this deaf mute man is about to experience. He's about to experience the joy of salvation. His, his pain, his suffering and affliction, it's, it's going to be erased because he's going to be given joy. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the act of what Jesus did. So Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears, all right? And that, that seems like, when we read it, it seems kind of weird, right? He puts his fingers in the man's ears. It, it doesn't seem like something like we would do for, or we would see Jesus doing as a, as a miracle act. We, we see in uh, over 20 occasions in the scriptures, Jesus put his hand on someone, but, uh, you know, only here, and I think uh, Jesus healing the blind man at Bethsaida, does Jesus put his hands uh, specifically on somebody's, uh, on somebody's body, on some specific part. And, and I believe Jesus was doing this. He was doing this very act of putting his hands, his fingers in the man's ears to show this man that, that he didn't care that, that this man was, uh, you know, looked down upon or that he was unclean or that he couldn't hear. He didn't, clear, he didn't care that uh, his hands were clean and he was putting it in a place that was dirty. He wanted the man to feel, to know by the touch of his hands that, that, that his faith needed to be awakened and, that, and that, that the expectation of healing needed to happen. So Jesus puts his hands Puts his fingers in these man's ears. The next thing he does, Jesus touches the man's tongue. Um, 
again, he's using his hands. Now, it says he spit on his hands, and, and, and some commentators say that uh, spit or saliva and that, and that time was looked at as something that had uh, you know, medical properties to it or was associated with healing. But I, I don't want to get caught up on the, the spitting part. Jesus touches the man's tongue again. He's putting his hands somewhere. You generally don't put somebody, you put your hands, right? In a place that, that man, that's, that's personal. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. But Jesus knows that this man can't hear and he can't speak. And he's put his fingers in his ears and then he puts his hand on his tongue. So Jesus is showing this man, whether, whether he's beginning to comprehend it or not, he's showing this man, hey, this is what, this is how much I care about you and love you. That I'm going to put my hands, the hands that my father has given me to give you life. And to heal you, I'm going to put my hands in the places of your life that have hurt the most. And I I believe that's what God does with us. Not not physically, but doesn't doesn't God put his hand in our life? Doesn't he try to open up our eyes in different ways, in different times? And we know it's there, and sometimes we, we let him guide us with his hands. Sometimes we let, a, we let him heal that, that part of our life. But it's, it's real easy to just try to do it on our own. That's, Jesus is doing that with this man. He's doing that with his man. He's putting his hands, he's putting his fingers, he's putting the, his very clean, the cleansing, the, the cleanness of, of his body. He's putting it in the places that are dirty and the places that have been afflicted. And he's saying, he's, he's telling this man, even without speaking, He's, he's telling him he's, he's there for him. He's going to heal him. We, we talked about how the hands, how Jesus touches the painful places of our life. And Jesus at this point, I mean, he's right on this guy's level, right? Guy can't communicate, can't hear what he's saying. Jesus doesn't need to say a word. He's showing him. He's showing him what it means to have a personal relationship with him. <clears throat> So what are the things in your life um, that are painful? What are the things in your life uh, that uh, cause you to be angry, cause you to be lonely? Think about those things for a second. Just, just sit there and just think about it. What, what, what is the one thing that you just can't stand every week? I'm sure a lot of that comes from a workplace or comes from uh, you know, a, a, certain, a certain instance. How do we respond to those things? Do we let... Jesus put his hands in our life and touch us and be personal with us? Or do we try to do it on our own? I try to do it on my own way too much, way too much. And that's, that's not the proper response. What about, uh, what about the Apostle Paul? Um, you know, Paul, his life was changed radically. God met him on the road to Damascus, uh, changed his life, changed his name. But uh, we all know Paul's life wasn't easy, Right? And it wasn't easy just because uh, he was in a place where Christianity was persecuted. I mean, he, uh, he was in prison, shipwrecks, he was beaten, just to name a few things. And then Paul has this thing called a thorn in the flesh. Paul has this thing called a thorn in the flesh. It may have been physical. It may have been a, a physical ailment that just was eaten away at him. It may have been uh, some specific sin in his life that just kept trying to creep back in and creep back in. Uh, Paul didn't flop over. He didn't quit. 
he actually gives us inspiration. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this. This is what Paul said. Paul said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more glad- gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, when we understand the miracles of Jesus, uh, not in just the frame of reference of a physical healing, but of Jesus acting on the behalf of his Father to show us his power, his glory, and the connection and the communion that he wants to have with us. That is the thing that changes our life. That's the thing that changes our life. And that's the thing when we read our Bible that changes our our daily devotion, right? I, I know really well how easy it is to pick up my Bible and read a chapter or two and get nothing out of it. Well, because when I do that, the focus is on what I can get out of it. The focus is on, I need to do this. And it is something God desires for me to have communion with him. But when God shows us in his word what he's doing in our life and how we can learn from that, that's what changes everything. That's what changes everything. Uh, Let's pick back up in verse 34. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute sing. So, We see here, after Jesus touches the man, his ears, his tongue, that Jesus takes the opportunity to speak. But he doesn't really speak just directly to the man. What does it say he does? It says he looks to heaven. And it it says he has a deep sigh. Now, there's there's a lot of different different things that are said about this. We we don't know what Jesus sighed about. (laughs) It's not uh, anybody's doing to figure that out, to actually know why he was sighing. But what I believe is that Jesus, Jesus was realizing that, that, that this man's life was about to change, but it wasn't his doing. That it was his father's doing to reveal, reveal him to the people. And, and he, Jesus has this deep sigh, almost this sigh of, oh, I'm taking this man's pain. I'm taking his affliction. I'm taking his loneliness, his brokenness. And I'm going to take that to the cross. And in this moment, this man is going to be changed. So Jesus looks up and he says, Apatha, which means be open. And, and what happens then? Man, we see it time and time and again. Instantaneously, the man's life is changed. And, and Jesus says, hey, don't go reveal me. Uh, don't, don't go out and spread all this, you know, for one reason or another. Maybe the people trying to make Jesus king or uh, his time not yet coming. But the, the, the man whose life has been changed, he can't hold it in. He can't hold it in. That is the very thing that Jesus wants with me and wants with you. He wants to make a difference in your life and be the presence in your life that you just, you can't hold it in. That the things that you speak, that the things that you do would be the things that, Jesus, that please God and the things that bring him joy, the joy that he's given us. 
I mean, Jesus always had communion with his father, right? That's how he was able to uh, abstain from sin. That's, why, that's how he was able to endure the cross, like Junior talked about, and, and sweat, like tears of blood. I mean, that's how Jesus was able to endure it, because he had that communion with God. And that's what Jesus wants with us. But the reality of it is, if we're going to desire that, if we're going to desire that deep relationship with God as well, we got to prioritize things a little differently. We have to uh, understand that Jesus is supposed to come first in our life. Now, my life is busy. All of your lives are busy. We have so many things going on with family and work and sports and, and, and clubs and, and all these different things, all these different things going on. And, and all those things can bring glory to God. But the one thing that changes our life, the one thing that changes our life is when we, realize, when we realize that that communion with God, that that daily time with God, that seeking him as a joy giver who's going to change our life, not, not just the physical things. And no, it's, it's not just a matter of faith if someone isn't healed or someone isn't touched that you pray for them. It's the will of God. It's what God, it's what God wants for us. It's just to desire him. Deeply and passionately. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus never desired uh, cheap popularity. And in, in this account, that's why he takes the man away from the crowds. That's why he makes it personal. That's why he tells uh, the man and whoever was around, hey, don't go out, don't go out and, and, and tell everybody about this. Because Jesus wasn't about being popular. He wasn't about um, being the, the center of attention. Jesus was about changing lives and his miracle was so much more than physical and we see that because of the joy that this man has and we, we've seen that in the, the 2,000 plus years since then Isaiah 35 5 through 6 this is a, a prophecy fulfilled then will the eyes of the blind be opened the ears of the deaf unstopped then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. It says that the lame will leap like a deer. And the mute tongue will shout for joy. Not be closed, not be quiet, but be so excited and so desire, desiring of God that, that you can't hold it in. That's, that's my prayer for you today. That you cannot hold it in, the difference that God's made in your life. Um, finishing up with this, with this text. Worship team, you can come on up. Um, verse 37 um, says, if he has done uh, everything well, this is a paraphrase, if he has done everything well, then what is our response? So that's, that's what, I've asked, what I'll ask of you. What's your response? The people saw that Jesus had done everything well, that he had not just changed this man physically, but that he had touched this man's life and that he had given him life to live abundantly. What's our response to that? What's our response to this Easter season uh, as we uh, reach the lost, as we try to make disciples, as we take our eyes off of ourselves the same way that Jesus did with this deaf man? If you're broken, Jesus is there for you. If you're uh, lonely, he's there for you. If you're isolated and feel like nothing's going right, he's there for you. And 
If you need to take him as your first, as your savior, he's, he's there for you. He's here for you right now. So would you stand and sing with us as we sing about Jesus, our Redeemer?